Well, hi, everybody. I hope you're having a great day, whatever day it is. If it's the weekend, welcome. If it's midweek and you're just kind of checking this out, welcome. We're so happy to have you, whether you've been watching for weeks or months, or whether it's your first time to tune into Timberline Church. We're in a series right now. We're having a lot of fun with it. And this whole series kind of started when well, the thought of it, at least when COVID came along and people started saying, well, I was going to do this, but COVID happened and COVID happened and COVID happened. And so we decided to do a series called What Just Happened? <laughs> and we're looking at several elements in Scripture and some of the stories that have some defining words. This weekend, we're looking at the idea of generosity happened. And it's kind of a familiar story. It's often known as the Good Samaritan, but we're going to break it down and look at it and make some strong application to our lives. I, I love what happened at Timberline a few years ago. A young lady in our church, like, I mean, like 12, I think she was 12 or 13 at the time. She noticed, you know how people stand at a corner with a sign, I need food or anything helps or God bless you, and they're looking for help. And she said to her parents one time, should we give them some money? And her parents explained why that's not always the best idea. But she said, I want to do something because I feel like I'm supposed to when I see these people. So she was so motivated that she and her parents went to a big store and they bought a whole bunch of like candy bars, nuts, crackers, bottles of water. And she literally went home and she made little bags, like dozens of these bags, and they put them in their car, wherever they would go. And when they would see someone in this situation, she would hand them one of those bags. What happened to her that touched her, that caused her to be motivated to actually do something about it? I'm, I'm moved a lot of times when I see things, but way too often I don't know what to do is usually the problem. Or I don't even think about doing anything because I'm on my way to something else, right? Guilty. <laughs> I realize, and I'm not saying today, that we should stop at every opportunity we have and try to fix every problem in the world. You can't do that. I can't do that. But I do believe there are times when the Holy Spirit can prompt us to maybe get a little deeper involved in someone's life than what we thought we would. Of course, that would be with their approval and their invitation. Well, let's dive in. Let me just read to you the story from Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. They were trying to trick him by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? This was going to be a trap, but Jesus turned it around on them and he said, what does the law of Moses say? And that was a really good answer. Uh, how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. That's right. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to kind of dig into Jesus a little deeper and, and continue trying to trick him. And he wanted to justify his question and his actions in verse 29. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
And that's where the story begins of this Samaritan who did some good. Number one in your outline, this world will attack us. Absolutely true. And so I want to read what happens as Jesus tells this story. Keep in mind, this is not a story that typically that, you know, really happened. It's a parable that Jesus is using. Verse 30, Jesus replies with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. By the way, that's a dangerous road. A lot of thieves hang out with, there's rocks and caves and stuff on that road. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now let's just pause right here and let's think and talk about this for a minute. I want to take this context and put it in our lives and in our world a little bit and make it really apply to us. We know what it's, where it's going and the story is about this man who was robbed, but I want, to, I want to pull it into our culture. There are many times in our lives when we walk on that road, when we're going down to Jericho. It's a road of going to work, going to school, going to the office, going to pick your kids up, going to be social with someone else with a mask. <laughs> anyway, this idea of going, we all put ourselves at risk. Have you ever been walking down a sidewalk and turned your ankle because you stepped on a rock or something? I have. I, I really hurt my right ankle in basketball in high school, and I don't play basketball anymore because of it. Uh, twice I broke it, and it's really weak. And so the littlest thing can just cause my ankle to kind of lean over and I can almost feel it kind of pop and I'm, I'm really careful about it. Anytime you take a walk or you take a drive or you get on a plane, you're putting yourself at risk. And here's what I want you to know. This world is happy to cause you pain. Do you know that there's evil in the world? <laughs> Maybe you haven't figured that out yet. Do you lock your doors at night? Do you lock your car? Do you think about how to protect yourself or your family? I do. I think about it a lot because we are in a world that has wickedness lurking. And that was the case here. And I want you to be aware that our world wants to beat us up just like these bandits beat this guy. If you know that going in, then you're going to take the precautions you need. But here's the point. You can't always protect yourself from every situation and you may need help Someone may need to help you. You may need to help someone else because this world is filled with violence. Part of that is because we don't have accountability in our lives. I think of social media when people have a, an opportunity to be mean. I've been blown away at some people's response and what they say because they don't have to be accountable for their words and telling lies and not representing the truth about what someone's intent is and what they meant to say. This is happening in our culture all the time. So be aware that there are people out there that want to take advantage of you and want to hurt you. The second point in your outline is this. We make defining decisions every single day. This story has some decisions that are really bad, and we're about to look at them by people who you would think would make good decisions. So I'm asking the question, what happened to these two people in the story that didn't make a good decision? Let's look at it. Verse 31, 
by chance a priest. Oh, this is really convicting. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for using a priest uh, in the story. A priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and he passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So what's going on? Why didn't they stop? What happened to these two trained people who are basically in a, hopefully, a calling? I realize a Jewish priest in Jesus' day was very different than the way I am a pastor. But I think Jesus is trying to make the point, is even someone that you would expect to show mercy and have compassion, they don't always do that. And I think about some of the reasons why maybe it didn't happen. What would be your reasons that you put down to say, I just, I just would pass them by? Is it inconvenience? I know for me it is. Sometimes I'm just, I'm on my way somewhere and I don't have time to stop and mess around helping somebody, right? How cold-hearted is that? But there's truth in it. We have busy lives. We do things, say things, plan things, and we're on our way. And I don't want to be that way. I want to stop and reflect and let the Holy Spirit talk to me about not just being aware. This priest was aware there was a need. He saw the man bleeding, wounded, half dead. And he just went the other way. Out of sight, say it with me, out of mind, right? That's what this guy thought. The temple assistant actually took a closer look. He went over there and looked and gazed upon this man who had great need. I don't know if he was just overwhelmed thinking, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what to do. And it might have been a long ways from Jericho. I can't carry this man. There are, there are personal limitations sometimes that, that hinder our ability to help people, especially when they have serious needs. I've got to tell you, I've been in these situations where I didn't know what to do. And I'm thankful we have a system called 911. I've come up on accidents twice where I was like the first person there. And it's a, it's a horrific thing when you are trying to help someone either get out of a car that's rolled upside down and they're bleeding and they're wounded. Um, I, I've witnessed a really bad motorcycle accident with someone who rolled off uh, this hill and ended up going into a barbed wire fence at 70 miles an hour and it, he almost died and it, he was airlifted out of there and I, I didn't know what to do he was un unconscious and and I was so happy to get flight for life there for for this person but sometimes it's so overwhelming you think I don't know what to do I can't carry this sometimes I think maybe we say it's just not my responsibility I, I'm not trained in this there are all kinds of reasons that keep us from helping I think in this story, though, the heart that Jesus is trying to reveal is the heart that just says, I'm not interested in doing that. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give myself to this moment the way I probably should. I'm just going to ignore it and move on and pretend I didn't see it. That's not a good way to live your life. And that's not generosity. But let's move on. The story gets better, and I like this. Number three, generosity involves compassion. Generosity involves this idea of actually caring for something, a situation, a person, or a group of people. In verse 33, it says this, then a despised Samaritan. Why is Jesus saying that? 
Well, it's because the Jewish people in Jesus' day did, in fact, despise Samaritans. They didn't even speak to them. They would never go into someone's home. They had different times to go to the well in the, in the morning with the women. It was a no-talk rule, no-hangout rule. And that's why Jesus uses this as an example. A man they despised, a person they despised, a despised a Samaritan, he came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. That's what, that's what the Bible says. That's why Jesus is telling this story. Something happened in the heart of this man to feel compassion. May I just say, I, I really do believe that most generosity, not all, but most generosity starts with a feeling. And sometimes it's a responsibility, but usually it's a compassion. I've had the privilege of having hundreds of people through the years say, I have this idea for this ministry. And I say, tell me about it. How did it start? And it almost always starts with someone saying, well, I saw this guy with this need, or I, I talked to this little girl at school and her home situation is this and this. And, 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 and from that compassion, from that care, from that feeling, that emotional tug that says, and maybe it's an injustice, this is not okay, I'm gonna get involved, I'm gonna do something about this situation. You guys, I hope you have that in your soul. I hope we all have that moment of compassion. I, I get tickled. Some of the bumper stickers that are out there, and there's so many. Uh, but I've read a few that basically say stuff like, you know, if I have to save you or your pet, I will choose your pet. <laughs> it's funny to me how many people care more for animals that are suffering than they do human beings. Some of you right now are saying, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that dude, I don't care about him, but I'm not letting that dog suffer, <laughs> right? With all these fires, we've seen it. We've seen it. Um, days where trailers are coming down off the mountain with horses and, and, and livestock and animals that otherwise would burn up in the fire if they're not protected. So there's something about this moment when we are touched and we feel compassion. I have a special thing in my heart for children. It's very difficult for me to see kids suffer. I, I think most of us have that, but it's really, it really gets to me. I'll dream about it at night if I, if I see or hear these horrible stories of these children, slave labor or uh, sex trafficking or these things with these little kids are involved. And I just, I'm just overwhelmed by it. And I want to do something and I will. I will, because that really touches me. Um, I care about human beings. I hope you do as well. This story is trying to teach us a lesson that even people who are not like us, this Samaritan looking at a Jewish man, he's the one that went out of his way to help. Right now we're seeing it all across our country. Racism, prejudice, getting hit, getting tackled head on through a lot of different avenues. Some ways are great and some are not so great. But I do believe a lot of this is coming out of a passion and compassion for people who are not treated justly. And it's very important for us to pay attention in our world. How do I treat people? 
how, how am I living my life? Is, am, I, am I part of the problem or I, am I part of the solution? And this Samaritan was truly part of the solution. Let's go on. Number four, in your outline here, it's another uh, generosity requires action. It's just another thought. Compassion usually starts it. But question, can you have compassion and not act? I think it's possible. So, so here's what happens in the story. Verse 34. The Samaritan going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, both to treat and disinfect, and he bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. Wow. That's a lot. I've, I've, I've heard it said, and I think I've said it a few times, the hardest part about getting involved in someone's life is getting back out. <laughs> right? It's, it's tough. And I, I get drawn into people's problems, marriages, issues, families, and man, I'm overwhelmed with the stress of trying to fix something that's beyond my control. But this action that this Samaritan took was action that helped heal the wounds. When you think about the physical touch, let me just go through a couple things here that, that we need to see. There's this physical touch where he literally takes some, some oil and some wine to disinfect, to help heal these wounds that this guy had on his body. And then he doesn't just stop there and say, have a nice day. He actually takes him with him. He gives up his ride on the donkey and he puts him on the donkey and he gets him to, to shelter. This is changing his entire day. I'm challenged by that. How, how often am I willing to change the course of my entire day in order to help someone in need? It's convicting, isn't it? Just think about it. It could be your family member. It could be someone that you already love. It could be a stranger and God prompts you to have compassion and to care and to take action with someone that is in need. I would say a couple things to this. I want to encourage you when you see things like this to just do what you can. This Samaritan had oil. He had wine. He had bandages. I don't walk around with those things on, on me. But he was obviously traveling, and so maybe he took these things for his own protection. But sometimes we need to understand that we only can do what we are capable of doing. I'm not a doctor. I can't do surgery on somebody if they need it in that moment. I don't know how. So I see people living in guilt so often when it comes to action. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, you can study, read, find out. Maybe there's some action steps you can take. But at the end of the day, do what you can. Offer what you can offer. You can't offer something you don't have. So there's no guilt in that. But am I willing to give what I do have? That's really what Jesus is saying in this story. I have had the privilege, Bonnie and I, as most of you know, we, we have a, our houses kind of on, in the Glacier View area on the way to Red Feather. And the, the Cameron Peak Fire 
is getting pretty close. Uh, hopefully they're getting it contained more and more every day, but we had a mandatory evac. And I tell you, the, the texts that started coming up on my phone brought tears to my eyes. I could, I could pull it out right now and read texts from, from our friends, from people here at Timberline, who just some randomly, do you need help? I've got a truck, we've got a van, I've got a trailer, what do you need? We'll come and help get your stuff out. It was just such a blessing to, say, to see that people actually cared and they would go out of their way and it wouldn't be easy to do. So I said, yeah, come load everything up. And <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We, we managed to do just fine and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But it's a blessing when someone cares, especially when you have a need. Now, let me go to number five. Number five is simple but profound. Generosity comes with a price and a reward. A price and a reward. We see both in this story. So let me, let me just kind of read verse 35 because this will give you a picture of what this guy did and what he said when they got him to the hotel called the inn. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Obviously, this guy had a good reputation with this innkeeper. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. Okay, now we're going all the way back to the beginning. And Jesus says, you tell me, who was the neighbor? Was it the priest? Was it the temple assistant? Or was it the despised Samaritan? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. There is a price involved in getting involved in someone's life. And I want to talk about that price a little bit. And then at the very end, I want to talk about the reward that comes with generosity. So I, have, I think there's four things in your outline that just talk about the different kinds of prices that might come with really becoming a generous person. And I would encourage you to be aware of these four things because I think all of them will be necessary and needed in your life. Number one, financial price. Not all needs need money. We know that here at Timberline. So much of the ministries, we, so many of the ministries we have here don't require a big budget at all but some do. This guy in the story actually shelled out some bucks in order to help someone who he needed to help because of his mercy and his compassion. And I want to encourage you to recognize that sometimes money is the only thing you can do. When I see the giving at, at our church, financial giving, when COVID hit and churches were scrambling, what do we do? We can't take offerings anymore. We have a lot of great ministries here that need to be funded. You guys just stepped up. I mean, I think it was up to 95% now of our giving is, is online because people said, I'm going to give to my church. I'm going to support the ministries. Even if I can't go right now, even if I can't physically be present, I'm still going to financially commit. I so admire that. And what a blessing to the kingdom of God. The second 
The second kind of price, if you can, if you can say it's a price, some of these are both kind of a price and a reward, but the second one is time. I've, I've never found it easy to help someone significantly without putting a little time in, into it. Have you? I would love to hear your story if, if it didn't require any time. You know, just like I said a while ago that money sometimes is the only thing you can do. Well, sometimes money is the easiest and least that you can do. People who just write a check and don't want to invest some time and energy may be doing something good, but are they giving of themselves? So I think time is a really important component. When you are willing to spend time with someone who needs it and take the time to help them get the help that they need, that's godly. Don't forget that. Because some of you may not have a nickel to give, but you can give some time. You can help someone with a problem or a situation in their life. The third one is emotional energy. Emotional energy is just that something that you have to give out of your soul. And it's draining. Some people are really good at it. I'm not that great at it. I get so drained when I'm helping people with complex problems because I, I, I have such compassion and I care that I can go home exhausted after you know, helping people throughout the day and counseling or whatever it is. But I know it feels so good inside. The reward for me, there are many times I come home to my wife, Bonnie, and I will, I will say, after a really hard day of navigating with people through hard, complex issues, and I will say, honey, you know what? I feel like a pastor today. I feel like a pastor. And it's very fulfilling to give your emotional life to the needs of others, but it's also costly. Hopefully both. The fourth and final thing that I want to say about the price is your reputation. This definitely is a price and a reward. This priest and temple assistant who walked by, if you saw that happen and you someone watch someone who should care and they don't, you will lose respect for them. You know what I want and what I'm praying for? I'm praying that Timberline family, that you and me, that all of us, as we have worked so hard in our community to have a reputation of love and let love live. That's the care that we provide. And let's keep doing that. I have people sometimes just say, well, why don't you just do what you want at Timberline? Forget these mandates coming down from the governor and the county and the, all of that. And I just, I don't understand that thinking. Why wouldn't we wanna build a bridge? Now, obviously, if they're trying to take away our rights to serve God, that's different but I really want us to work hard as a church to keep people safe, to love them where it hurts, to do everything in our power, to keep a healthy, godly reputation. I want people to say of you and me, that's a godly man, that's a godly woman. Those kids, they care about the right things. So much so that Jesus used the story to try to build a contrast between someone who did it right and someone who didn't. I want to challenge you this week to step out and think, God, how would you use me if I really have ears to hear your spirit speaking to me? Where will I show compassion and where will I show mercy? Would you pray with me? Lord, today it's so important that we show the mercy of the Lord, that we care about 
people who have been beat up by this world, emotionally, financially, physically, however it is, show us how to care. And as you thrust us down the road to Jericho, I pray that we will have eyes to see and ears to hear of the needs on the way. We give it to you in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for letting love live. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you. And most of all, thank you for being Timberline active and alive and well in our community. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye.